when we got assigned our passages, I was excited to see what I got. I was like, James chapter 4, great, great, opened it up. And as soon as I opened it up, I recognized the page of my Bible. You ever had that experience? Like, you just know where certain things are in your Bible based on the way it looks, right? I opened it up, and I knew exactly how that page looked, and I just got a gut punch. I was like, oh, man, Lord. Really? This is the, this is the passage I'm going to get? Um, this passage and I have uh, is probably the number one go-to scripture for the Lord for me when he wants to convict me of something. Number one go-to scripture. When something comes up in my life and I need to be told something, this is where I end up. And uh, we have this uh, unique relationship, this chapter and I. And uh, I'm having a hard, I had a really hard time preparing this because it was very personable for me. Uh, And not a hard time because this is not a hard section of scripture to understand. This is not rocket surgery doctrine here, okay? This is very, you just read it and it tells you what it means. It's very simple to get. Okay, so today we're not going to be going really deep. Okay, you can go very deep with this, but I'm going to keep it very, just, let's just read it as is and talk about it. Okay, this is simple. It's everyday life right here. Okay, so let's go ahead and read it through, and then we're going to spend some time talking about how it applies to us as Christians. Because again, what we've been looking at is James, is James is describing what does the life of a mature Christian look like? Someone who is walking well with the Lord. What does their conduct, what does their spiritual lock, walk look like? So today, look at yourself, examine yourself, cross-examine what Scripture says and what your life looks like. If this is describing you, well, in this case, you may not be a mature Christian. Okay? James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but do not get it. You kill and covet. You cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the Spirit He caused to live in us envies intensely? But He gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Let's open in a word of prayer. Lord our God, I pray that as we look into your word this morning, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures, that it would reveal in us the truth that you would have us to live out. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say, that you would help me get through this message. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified that all is said and done. In your son's name we pray. Amen. <coughs> coveting. Most of us would think that we don't have a problem with coveting. Uh, so what is coveting? I, we've heard it many times. 
You know, the definition, you know, sorry, the, the dictionary definition is, you know, the desire, the yearn for something, to crave something, all right? To have one's heart set on something, something you want, you wish for, a want, okay? Now, Rob Brandon was here just a few weeks ago, beginning of October, and he had this definition, and it, it, it dug deep with me. It really hurt me, because he said, idolatry slash coveting is wanting something that God hasn't given you. And that, 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 that was uh, hard for me to take because there's a lot of things in this life that I want that God hasn't given me. And that really struck true. It just, I've had a hard time with that ever since. You know, it could fall into the category of lusting after non-necessarily tangible things like power or control. It could be physical things, all right, actually like toys or, you know, things you can put in your hands. It could be emotional pleasures, okay, and it could be physical riches, all right. Now, in our life, how does that affect us? Well, what does the Bible say, verse 1? What causes fights and quarrels among you? None of you have that problem. None of you have a problem with fighting and quarreling, right? I, I have that problem, okay? What causes that in your life? It's very simple, guys. You want something, and you don't get it. All right? That, that, that's it right there. In my marriage, I know this to be a fact, that 99% of the issues that I have in my marriage between my wife and I always come back to this. I want something and I didn't get it. I expected something and I didn't get it. I was looking forward to something and I was disappointed, either in my spouse, in my children. For the last 10 years, every single fight or argument or whatever battle that there was going on in my home traces back to me wanting something. It's always that. If I look at the root cause of what's going on in my marriage, that's it. I want something, she wants something, and we're not getting it. Is, is that true for you? It, honestly, think to yourself, what was the last fight you had with someone? Now, if you're not married, it might be between a, a, a sister or a brother. What were you fighting them with? If it's a... If it's someone that you live with, a spouse, that's usually pretty simple to go back and look at what it is because, you know, habits. But if you're living by yourself, you probably don't have fights that often, all right? Before I was married, I never had fights. <laughs> just joking. But I, ne- like, I never had anyone to contend with about what I wanted to do. I was just do whatever I wanted to do. Now, I have to live with someone and we have to agree on what we do together. And you know what? Sometimes it's difficult. Why? Because I don't always get what I want. And every time I've had a moment in the middle of a fight, in the middle of a disagreement, in the middle of an argument, and I step back and I analyze, usually because the Lord takes me to this section of Scripture, He goes, hey, silly, what is causing this fight in your home right now? Wait a minute, it's you. It's you not getting what you want. It's you expecting something that's selfish, and you're not getting it. And what does that do? It just makes that whole problem shrink down to, hey, you idiot, knock it off. I I have a hard time finding any circumstance in in my own life in the last 10 years where that has not been the cause of all my fights and problems. I want something, I'm not getting it. 
I'm craving something. Now, Brian, that, that's, that doesn't happen in my house. It's not in my marriage. All right, here, here's, I just want to see, do you fall into this category of maybe you have a problem with coveting, okay? Here's some thoughts, things for you to, to ponder on. I want you to count how many times, just, just pick a day, any day, just pick one day. How many times have you said the word, I want? I want something. I want to go here. I want to do this. I need, I want this. I want, I want, I want. How many times have you said that? If you could fill it more in the hands, you might have a problem. Okay? How often do you walk through your house in your daily life and see something and want something? You walk through your house and go, hmm, yeah, I want that over there. Or I want something new over there. Or you go into a neighbor's house and you see what they got and you don't have it and you want it. How many times, okay, do you see different things and you want them? Those things that you want, does it affect your mood? Does it affect your relationship with someone else? Does it affect your mood? Are you depressed? Are you upset? Do you have a bad temperament because you want something and you don't have it and someone else has it and you don't? You see someone else doing something you want to do, enjoying something that you don't have, or having a physical object, or having a, a, a position at work maybe. They have something, you want it, and now all of a sudden you're in a bad mood because of it. Are you someone that's not enjoyable to be around because you're not getting what you want? I know it affects me. When I have an expectation for something, or I want something really badly and I can't have it, guess what? I'm a real bummer to be around. I'm not a nice person. i got a really bad attitude. Brian, that's, that's not me. I don't fall into that glory, Brian. I don't have this problem. All right, this, I got this section of Scripture nailed. Okay. Um, let's see if you still have a problem with coveting. Ready? Have you ever looked at social media, Facebook or Instagram, and you see someone on there doing something and go, man, I wish that was me right now. I really wish that was me. I really wish that, that dress looks so nice. I, I really wish I had an outfit like that. You know what? Those people every single week have a new outfit on. I wish I had a new outfit every day of the week because I already got three flannels and I wear the same three every day. Okay? I, okay? Or I see them doing this activity and I really wish that was me right now. Is that ever you? Do you get a new phone less than every two years? If you get a new phone less than every two years, you may have a problem with wanting something. I'm not calling out names. I'm really not. <laughs> Do you get a new car less than every three years? Maybe you have a problem with being content with the things that you have. Do you want a new house? Do you want a new game? Do you want a new toy? Do you want new clothes? Do you want a new job? Do you want a new vacation? Do you want a new spouse? I'm throwing it out there. Do you covet over what other people have in their marriage and you don't have it in yours? Is 
Is there stuff out there that you want and it causes you to have problems in your life? And I guarantee that's one of the root causes. Why? Because Scripture says it right here. That's the root cause. You want stuff and you don't get it. And it's causing problems in your everyday relationships. You have a problem. I have a problem with contentment. Jesus is not enough in this life to make me happy. I need stuff plus Jesus to make me happy. And that's wrong. And I know I'm guilty of it. It breaks God's heart that you long for stuff more than Him. That He is not your full satisfaction. That you need Jesus plus blank to be a happy person. It says in Scripture, as we just read, that you are classified as a friend with the world. And a friend with the world is someone who seeks pleasure at the expense of others sometimes. You seek pleasure that comes at the expense of obeying God. You seek pleasure that keeps you from obeying God. And that's sin. It's wrong. Verse 4 says this, You adulterous people. Talk about I've never committed adultery with someone. Yeah, okay, physically, I may have never cheated on my wife. But God is saying here, you are an adulterous people. Oh, man, God, what are you saying? Well, we have a lot of, ex- a lot of examples we can go look at in Scripture throughout the Old Testament for the sake of time. I'll just read a couple passages to you. So Judges chapter 2, all right, verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them from the hands of those who plundered against them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they played the harlot after other gods and bowed themselves down to them. They turned aside quickly from the way in which their fathers had walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord, as they did not do their fathers. The Israelites, as we all know through Scripture, through history, walked with the Lord, and then they turned away from the Lord many, many times. And they went and they worshipped other gods. Psalms 106 says this, They did not destroy the people as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and learned their practices, and they served their idols, which became a snare to them. There's been many times in Scripture where the Israelites went and sought after other foreign gods, dead physical objects, and worshipped them instead of the one true living God. Ezekiel says this, Therefore, says the Lord God, because you have forgotten me and cast me behind your back, now bear the punishment because of your idolatry. They cheated on God. They cheated on God with stuff. Other fake gods. They looked for something else in the world to satisfy them that wasn't God himself. James is taking that example and applying it to us today. Yes, we may not bow down and worship fake gods. We might not have idols in our house that we literally bow down to and worship every day. But coveting is that idol. That's what Rob Brennan talked about in October. Coveting is an idol. You are worshiping, you are desiring something, whether it be power, whether it be riches, 
whether it be some physical, emotional thing, you're coveting, you're desiring something, and that desire is replacing the satisfaction that you can get with God. That's what worldly coveting is. It's idolatry to God. And he's calling us cheaters on God. Turn with me to Matthew 6. We've got time to spin there. A well-known section of Scripture. take two minutes. I'm actually going to read through half the chapter here. So verse 19. Matthew 6, 19. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? I, I get that all the time. I don't know why people worry about clothes, period. What's the big deal? Sorry. I'm just not a fashion person. <laughs> and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not spin or labor. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans... Run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Guys, life is going to happen. And if you put God first in your life, if you seek His kingdom, what does it mean seeking His kingdom? The furtherance of God's glory here on earth. The furtherance of the gospel. If you put the gospel first in your life, and the vision that God has for this earth, and for the people down here, you put that first, guess what? He's going to take care of everything you need. You don't need to worry about money. You don't need to worry about a job. He's going to take care of it. 
Now, it doesn't say he's going to give you the best of the best. He's not going to give you the nice, you know, German-made car. Okay? But he'll take care of your needs. He knows them. That's light work for him. That's nothing. Turn back with me to, to James. Have you ever had a problem with your prayer life? I'm praying and praying and praying. Lord, ain't nothing happening. Why, why are my prayers getting answered? Well, there's a few reasons why. And it says right here, okay? So we'll go, we'll go back to verse 2. You want something, but you do not get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have. Why? Because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So there's three things here about why your prayer life might not be going the way you want it to go. One, if you are deep in sin, I'll tell you right now, when I'm coveting something and I really want something, guess what? God's not using the picture. And if God's not using the picture, I'm not praying. I'm not asking. So there's number one. If coveting is in your life, if you are spending your time researching the newest... Man, I'm trying to figure out objects I can pick out that doesn't like call anyone out. Uh, I'm calling. <laughs> I'm online researching the newest pair of shoes that I want to get. Make sure that all the right reviews are in place. If you're spending weeks upon weeks looking after this one item that you want to make sure is right for you, you got to do the research and the homework on it. If you're spending all the time, guess what? You're not spending time with God. And guess what? You're not asking. So one reason is if you are literally having a problem with coveting in your life, you're not asking God. There's the first problem you might be having. Number two, what does it say? Um, you do not have, because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive. Well, two, you're asking for the wrong stuff. You, well, you might be asking for stuff. That's the problem. Okay? Your agenda and God's agenda are obviously not aligned here. All right? Because three, you're asking for stuff with the wrong motive. Well, okay, so two, you're asking for the wrong thing. You might be asking God for this brand new car when you have a car that works. And it works fine. Yeah, it might be old. All right? But it's got four wheels and it moves forward. All right? It's trustworthy and reliable. But you're asking God for a new one anyways. Guess what? I don't think he really cares. All right? Be satisfied and be content with what you've got. All right? Now, there's nothing wrong with having a nice new car. I'm not, I'm not thinking anything wrong with that. Okay? But if that's what your heart is set on and you're making it that important in your life, well, then it's a problem. Okay. Three, you're asking for the wrong motive. You may have the same idea of God. Hey, God, this is just me being personal, VBS, right, God? God, I want this year's VBS to be awesome. Lord, I want you to bring so many kids this year to VBS. I want it to be an awesome program. I want it to be the bomb program, Lord. What's wrong with that? Nothing. The problem is usually when I ask that, why do I ask that? Because I want everybody to come back to me and say, Brian, that was the best year ever. You lit it up this year. It was awesome. I'm telling all my friends about it. You do so, you're the best program ever. That, that's, that's really what I want. I'm asking for something that's okay. I'm asking for a lot of kids to come out to VBS. They hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But what am I really asking? I, I'm really asking for myself so I'll be getting something positive out of it. You might not be getting what you want. Even though you're, thinking for the, you're praying for the right thing, you might be praying for the right thing. But if it actually turns out that you're going to benefit from it, 
yeah, God's probably not going to give it to you then. Because you want something selfish. You're, you're taking a nice spiritual thing and making it selfish. That's a problem, guys. It is just for God to say no to us when we're asking either for the wrong thing or we're asking with the wrong attitude, with the wrong motives. It is right for God to say no to that. Even if it may sound spiritual, even if it may look like it's going to further God's kingdom, it's okay for him to say no to that then. I'm going to skip down in chapter 4 towards the bottom. All right, I'll read through it again. But uh, let's pick up in verse 4. I'm just going to read through because I want to get to a section at the bottom and then maybe come back if we can. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says... God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. A minute ago, some of you were laughing at what I was saying. And I get it. It was kind of funny. But you know what Scripture's saying right here? Stop laughing. It ain't funny. Take your life. Take this seriously, guys, it's saying here. All right? Your joy and your laughter, switch it to mourning. Approach God and say, you know what, God? You're right. I have a problem. This is not a laughing matter, actually. God's saying, you are committing adultery with the world by coveting things God's not laughing. He's taking this serious. And he's saying, you know what? Stop being a double-minded person. Stop being a double-minded person. Stop being two-faced. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, if you go back to Zephaniah, we don't have time to look there, but I'll just give you the, 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 the notes, all right, the short notes of it. In Zephaniah, God turns to his people, and he calls them out, and he says this, look, I see you on Sunday morning, oh, sorry, Saturday morning. I see you on Saturday going to the Sabbath, and worshiping me, you're doing the act, going to the temple, bringing your sacrifices, praising my name. Then the other six days of the week, guess what? You're going home, and you're coveting, you're killing, and worshiping false gods. Do you think God is at all pleased, or content, or even desires their worship that Sunday morning? I don't think so, because God condemns them and says, you know what, I'm going to punish you greatly for that. But they were coming out Sunday morning, doing their, uh, Saturday morning, doing their thing the way you wanted to. No, because the rest of the week, God was nothing to them. Are you here Sunday morning praising the Lord, bringing your worship, getting it on, then the rest of the week saying, who's God? Doing your own thing. If God is truly special to you, if He is truly meaningful and real to you, and you are truly thankful and grateful for what He has done for you, then guess what? 
Sunday won't be the only, only day you're praising God. Sunday will not be the only day you're worshiping God. Worshiping God is a 24-7 job. It's not a job, it's an enjoyment. If God is really that special to you, then when you go home, you'll be spending time with Him every day because you love Him that much. I don't think God enjoys your worship here Sunday morning if the rest of the week you're blowing them off. Because you're here for a show. You're here to get your emotional fix, to get yourself feeling good. And God sees right through that. He sees the heart, guys. He knows what's going on. I'm not saying that, that you can't come here and, and admit before the Lord, you know what, Lord, I had a rough week. I had a bad week, Lord. I really did. I blew it with you. And, and, and I, I, I want to make it right between us. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are people who come out on Sunday mornings to churches across the world, across the, universe, across the nation. We call them Sunday Christians. They're two-faced. I don't know if that's you. I can't judge your heart. But you know what? God can. If you're going home and you're forgetting about Him the rest of the week, are you a friend of the world or are you a friend of God? God wants you to be all in. He wants to be your full satisfaction. He wants you fully devoted to Him. Is He your true peace? Do you find full joy and contentment in God? That's what this whole section is about here. Do you find full contentment in God? Because if you are, you're not going to have fights at home. If you're finding full contentment with God, then you won't be double-faced. You won't be double-minded. You'll be praising and worship Him all week. And you know what? You'll be praying with the right motives. You'll be asking for the right things. And you know what? You might be surprised. You might actually get what you pray for then. This whole section here is all about us desiring things that we want that are not God-fulfilling. You guys need to do a serious heart check. I have to do a serious heart check. This is not an easy section of Scripture. It's not the all-bubbly, make-you-feel-good section of Scripture. It's not. Now, Brian, how do I fix it? All right, Brian, i got a problem. i got a problem with coveting. There's things out there that I want, and it does affect my mood. It does affect who I am. It does affect my relationships. What's the fix, Brian? What do I do? Verse 10. Humble yourself. Before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Come before the Lord and acknowledge before Him that you got a problem. Yes, Lord, I have a problem. And I acknowledge that. And I want you, Lord, to be my full satisfaction. I want to find contentment. I want to find joy in you and you alone. Because you saved me. You saved me. I was on my way to hell. And you took my place. When you come before the Lord with a sincere heart, and you literally bow yourself low before Him, He will lift you up. And He will restore you. And He will give you the joy and the satisfaction and the contentment that you're looking for. This 
devil works, Satan works really hard to distract Christians. Satan knows he cannot have Christians. He can't have us. We're already taken. Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. The Lord Jesus Christ lives in me. Satan knows he can't have my soul. But if he can distract me, if he can make my life worthless towards eternal things, if he can distract me so that I'm not at work for God's things, then you know what? He's done a great job of my life. He's done a great job because I am a Christian going to heaven, but you know what? I'm not taking anybody with me. I haven't multiplied. That's what he wants. He wants to distract you, ruin your testimony. He doesn't want you taking anyone with you up to heaven. He doesn't want you sharing the gospel. He knows he can't stop you from going to heaven. But if, you can stop, if he can stop you from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others by distracting you with all these great things out there in the world, then he's done a great job. He's winning. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Let's close in prayer. And after we pray, uh, we're going to go into um, corporate prayer for 15 minutes. And then I'll close at the end. Lord our God, we thank you that you love us despite our sin. Lord, you know that we're a mess sometimes. I show all the time, a lot of times we're a mess. And Lord, so often we desire things that we don't need. We just simply want them. And we want them so that we feel good. We want them so that it may give us some form of satisfaction. But in all reality, it doesn't last. And Lord, we've heard this our whole lives, yet we keep striving after them. Instead of coming to you for your full satisfaction. Lord, I pray that in all things, we would recognize that Jesus is better than all of that. That he is the only one who can give us true peace and true contentment. And I pray that we would find that in him. For the things of this world are empty. May we strive for your kingdom to see it furthered. May we strive to store riches in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Lord, I pray that we would humble ourselves before you to acknowledge that we have a problem and come to you for help. Lord, you are so worthy of our praise. And I pray that when we come here on Sunday mornings, that our praise and our worship would be a sweet aroma to you, that it would be meaningful to you, that it would please you. Lord, we commit this week into your hand, and we ask that this week would it be a week where we love you more. Because you are so great. In your son's name we pray. Amen.